0: What if I told you startups don't necessarily need deep pockets to generate tons of traffic? Organic acquisition is actually a viable, even crucial, approach for startups to consider. This depends heavily, of course, on robust SEO strategies. These strategies can maximize the potential of telling the brand story via search, helping startups punch above their weight.
1: But isn't SEO quite technical and complex? Needing an army of SEO specialists or dedicated SEO tool
0: subscriptions. It can be, but here's the beauty of it, Clarissa. Startups can start with basic elements of SEO that don't require complex understanding. For instance, identifying high-traffic, low-competition keywords, even long-tail ones, could be a game-changer. Regularly updating your website content and ensuring the use of relevant tags help too.
1: It does sound within reach, but what's the danger of depending too
0: much on paid traffic? Ah, the million-dollar question – The issue with paid traffic is not about its effectiveness, it's about sustainability. Paid traffic provides immediate results, but it's also a slippery slope where you have to continually pay to keep those results. Without the budget, sudden disappearance of the results becomes a business risk. Organic traffic, although requires time, secures a much more stable foundation. Let's dive deeper into organic traffic and specifically long-tail keywords. These are phrases that are specific and relevant to what you're selling. For a startup, targeting these keywords can prove to be effective since you are likely to face less competition for these keywords compared to generic ones. Why? Because less competition means your content can rank highly for these terms, possibly even on the first page of Google. High organic rankings can bring in just as much traffic as a keyword with a higher search volume if done right. These extended, specific phrases also tend to bring in targeted traffic that's more likely to convert because they reflect a clear user intent.
1: Hold on a second, Abigail. What exactly do you mean by clear user intent?
0: Good question, Clarissa. The user intent is the goal that a user has when typing a query into Google, whether that's purchasing a product, learning about a topic, or finding a company's address. Highly specific keywords or long-tail keywords, usually indicate a user's intent more clearly. For example, women's red floral summer dress is a long-tail keyword that indicates a very specific user intent. It points to understanding that the user is not just looking for a summer dress, they're looking for a red floral one, particularly for women. Crafting content around these keywords can lead to high rankings, and by matching user intent, this traffic is more likely to convert into loyal customers – driving true organic growth.
1: That's insightful, Abigail. But how does Google's algorithm updates affect these organic rankings?
0: Great question, Clarissa. It's all about keeping pace with how Google's search algorithms evolve. You see, Google constantly tweaks its algorithms to refine search results and provide users with the most relevant high-quality content. This directly impacts how web content gets ranked. So staying updated with these changes is key to ensuring your long-tail keyword strategy remains effective. A reevaluation might be necessary if a major update rolls out and impacts your site's rankings. But remember, the golden rule with managing Google's algorithm updates is offering quality content and a solid user experience, and your organic traffic won't suffer in the long run.
1: Well, with everything you've explained about targeting these long-tail keywords and the value they bring, it's clear that SEO is crucial for startups. But for companies operating on a tight budget, hiring an SEO specialist just isn't feasible. So what now?
0: Do tell Clarissa.
1: Definitely, Abigail. There are plenty of user-friendly and budget-friendly SEO tools out there. Take Ubersuggest, for instance. It allows startups to discover new keywords, analyze competitor strategies, and even pinpoint SEO issues on their website all for free. It's almost like having an SEO expert tucked in your pocket.
0: That sounds incredibly helpful, but can you explain further how these tools could boost web traffic?
1: Absolutely, Abigail. Let's go back to the importance of those long-tail keywords you've mentioned. These SEO tools essentially offer a keyword research feature to reveal an abundance of long-tail keywords relevant to your product or service. It's like a goldmine that startups can tap into. Naturally, these tools offer in-depth traffic data with it. So, with these insights... Startups can craft quality content around those keywords with high traffic potential. This perfect union of quality content and impactful keywords amplifies the website's organic traffic.
0: That's definitely insightful. It's amazing how startups can leverage free tools to meet their SEO and content needs.
1: Indeed. Within constrained budgets, creativity and resourcefulness prove pivotal, transforming seeming obstacles into opportunities. And remember this. Startups. In the digital world, traffic is currency. Maximize it.
0: We've heavily emphasized the importance of organic traffic and the power of SEO thus far, yet brand reputation also inherently plays a critical role for startups. In essence, your brand is your startup's personality that distinguishes it from the crowded marketplace. Now, when I talk about brand reputation specifically for startups, What comes to your mind, Clarissa?
1: Intriguingly, startup brands often instinctively strike me as being youthful, agile and disruptive. But I think there must be more layers to that identity, right?
0: Absolutely, Clarissa. For starters, your brand reputation is built on the foundation of your startup's core values, ethics and mission. You need to vividly communicate what you stand for and what you're working towards. But beyond that, consistency is the absolute key. Whether it's your messaging, visuals, or customer interactions, you're striving to create a unified image in the minds of your audience. Think of it as, say, a feature-length film. You want every scene, from opening credits to the closing shot, to tell a coherent, immersive story. Essentially, every touchpoint with your customer is a scene in your brand's story.
1: I see. And all these scenes amalgamate to shape the audience's perception and association towards the brand. But how does a startup go about creating this cohesive and compelling brand reputation, especially with limited resources?
0: That's the compelling part, Clarissa. Let's consider a company that went from being just another media platform to a global disruptor. The focus was not just on technological innovation. Instead, the guiding principle was a genuine belief in the power of storytelling. Every move they made, whether it was a social media post, a blog, or a customer service interaction – permeated the essence of their core belief. Remember, brand reputation is not built overnight. It's a gradual process. But, when done right, it's an investment that pays massive dividends. And the best part, it doesn't necessarily require deep pockets. What it does require, though, is an absolute commitment to transparency, consistency and genuine customer connection.
1: For a startup with limited funds... Crafting a strong brand identity might seem like a monumental task, but I think it's worth noting that your brand isn't necessarily the money that you put behind it. In fact, some of the most memorable brands have been built on the foundation of creativity, rather than capital. Would you agree, Abigail?
0: Absolutely, Clarissa. It's easy to think you need a big budget to make a big impact, but that's not always the case. Consistency, clarity, and most importantly, authenticity – are the real keys to building a powerful brand. By consistently expressing your startup's unique values and vision, you embed your brand in the consciousness of your audience over time. This consistency, which costs very little, not only differentiates you from your competitors, but also earns you the trust and loyalty of your customers.
1: Interesting. I also think the emergence of digital platforms has been a game-changer for startups in terms of brand building. Social media, for example offers an easy and cost-effective way for startups to authentically convey their brand message and create meaningful engagement. I know this from my professional career in dental industry. It's helped immensely in reaching out to potential customers and building a distinctive brand identity.
0: Right, Clarissa. Having an active social media presence is a cost-free way of maintaining continuous visibility before your audience. Plus, it's a great platform for engaging with your customers, getting feedback and showcasing how your brand values translate into actions. Never forget, every interaction, every engagement is an opportunity to strengthen your brand's reputation.
1: Abigail, these insights are quite helpful. I can see how maintaining consistent brand messaging across different platforms, combined with creativity, can effectively build a robust brand reputation on a shoestring budget. Thank you for sharing these valuable lessons.
0: Isn't it true, Clarissa, storytelling can significantly impact a startup's audience engagement?
1: Absolutely, Abigail. It can draw the audience in, make your brand relatable, and foster loyalty.
0: From my experience, the power of storytelling isn't just in sharing what your startup does. It's about connecting with your audience on a level that's deeper than just the product or service you're selling. It's about sharing your startup's mission, the challenges you faced, your victories, and most importantly, Explaining how your product or service can change the lives of your audience for the better.
1: That's so insightful, Abigail. Could we perhaps ground this in
0: examples? Sure. Take the case of a tech startup. Their software might streamline work processes, but that's something a lot of tech solutions in the market do. Where they can stand out is in painting a picture about how much of a difference the software makes in freeing up team for the user to focus on what truly matters, like spending time with family, pursuing hobbies or acquiring new skills
1: so storytelling isn't about just telling stories it's about striking an emotive chord with your audience right
0: exactly clarissa and once you strike that chord you've raised your audience engagement a notch higher
1: abigail one central part of audience engagement is of course creating quality relatable content that alone can be magnetic it's not enough to just showcase your products or services It's about having conversations that resonate with your audience. In fact, a study at Stanford found that messages delivered in the form of stories can be up to 22 times more memorable than facts.
0: Really? That's a huge number.
1: Yes, it is. It offers us a clear direction to tap into the power of stories. By providing content that's relatable, we are able to resonate with our audience on a personal level. But this requires a strong understanding of who your audience is what they value, and what they are interested in. For instance, in the dental startup I'm involved with, we don't just sell dental services. We provide bursts of content that deal with common dental fears and doubts. That resonates deeply with our patients and draws them in.
0: So this high-quality, engaging content, it's all about building a bond with your audience?
1: Absolutely. Building content should be about forging connections. That could be through sharing personal stories, Giving sneak peeks behind the scenes, or even having conversations in the comment section. It's this connection that truly elevates a startup from a static entity to a vibrant personality.
0: With your dental startup example, I can see that working. But what about the tech startups? How do you suggest they engage their audience?
1: Good question, Abigail. For tech startups, it's essential to humanize their brand. They could share blog posts about their experiences, upload videos of their workspace, or provide insights into the company culture. Remember, it's about resonating with your audience, which becomes possible once you start focusing on connections over conversions.
0: Speaking of connections, Clarissa, let's explore the role of social media. It's a massive platform where startups can do more than just promoting their product or service. Like look at Apple's Twitter page. Instead of just product marketing... They offer tips and insights to help their users get the most out of their products. And they have a dedicated support account. Genius, right? They're leveraging their social media platform to deepen their connections with their customers.
1: Abigail, I'm glad you brought up Apple. Startups can certainly learn from giant companies like them. However, as we focus on bootstrapped startups, it's essential to underline that building a social media presence doesn't necessarily require a big budget. Even small businesses can create a significant impact via social media, provided they choose the right platforms and deploy strategies that are tailored to their target
0: audience. But deciding on the right platform, that can be quite tricky, don't you think? Definitely. It can seem daunting initially, but a bit of
1: research can solve this. Startups need to identify where their target audience spends most of their time online. For example, a tech startup could opt for LinkedIn or Twitter, while a fashion-forward clothing startup might find Instagram a better fit. It's all about understanding your audience, Abigail.
0: I can see how that approach would be effective. And once they've selected suitable platforms, how do startups ensure they're actually reaching their audience organically?
1: Well-curated and interactive content is the key, Abigail. Startups should shift their focus from hard-selling to storytelling, just like we discussed. They can share blog posts, host live Q&A sessions, or even launch an interesting challenge. I'd like to mention a commendable strategy by the Dollar Shave Club, a razor subscription service. They've grown majorly through their humorous and relatable content on social media.
0: Sounds like a winning strategy, Clarissa. Using social media platforms not just to sell, but to engage and understand your audience. I think that's the real gem here. Dollar Shave Club is certainly an excellent example.
1: Abigail, you raised interesting points about social media for startups. Web presence, especially on social media platforms, is becoming more of a requirement rather than a choice. For startups under constrained resources, it is critical to seize any opportunity that could foster growth. Let me share some techniques based on what I've experienced with my dental clinic and how it has helped us on the organic growth front.
0: Sounds intriguing, Clarissa. You did mention earlier about choosing the right platform and creating interactive content. Could you tell me more about spotting and seizing potential opportunities?
1: Absolutely. Startups should be mindful of industry trends and audience preferences. They can leverage social listening tools to stay updated about what's trending and what their target audience is talking about. Spotted a trending hashtag that aligns with your brand? Use it. Discovered a popular topic in your industry? Create content about it.
0: Interesting strategy. But how does a startup ensure it's being socially informed and not just using trends superficially? That's a thoughtful question, Abigail.
1: A startup needs to walk the fine line between appearing in tune with trends and truly understanding its audience's needs. A part of being socially informed is not just staying updated with what's popular, but actually understanding the consumer sentiment behind it. It means analyzing audience feedback reviews, suggestions, and every little audience-brand interaction, then incorporating these insights into the startup's marketing strategy. That's the real power of being socially informed.
0: That's a comprehensive insight, Clarissa. And truly, seizing such opportunities requires in-depth understanding and strategic implementation. Shifting gears a bit, Clarissa. Do you realize that no matter how captivating our content is or how cleverly we leverage social media trends, if our website isn't optimized for conversions, it's all for naught?
1: You're absolutely right, Abigail. And I think that's a common oversight for a lot of startups. We can drive all the traffic in the world to our site. But if visitors aren't converting, we're just spinning our wheels.
0: Exactly, Clarissa. Let's take the widely successful startup, Buffer, as an example. They drastically improved their conversion rates by focusing on landing page optimization.
1: Oh, tell me more about that. What strategies did Buffer employ?
0: Well, Buffer mastered the art of landing page optimization by testing various versions of a single landing page to find out which one resonates best with visitors. They experimented with different CTAs, color schemes, headlines, and images. All within key principles of design, of course. This significantly increased their conversions. That's
1: very insightful. And by conversion, you essentially mean turning a visitor into a customer,
0: right? Yes, precisely. Any action that moves a visitor one step closer to becoming a customer is a conversion. It could be anything from newsletter sign-up, downloading a PDF, to actually purchasing a product.
1: Interesting. It seems optimization is all about giving visitors what they want in the most streamlined fashion possible.
0: Spot on, Clarissa. Startups must understand that web optimization goes beyond the aesthetic appeal. An uncluttered, user-friendly design is vital, but the core is compelling value proposition, clear and concise messaging, easy navigation, and persuasive call to action.
1: Abigail, you mentioned Buffer's successful landing page optimization. Honestly, this might sound a daunting process for startups with tighter budgets. But there are other tricks that are affordable and equally impactful. I'm referring to multivariate testing.
0: Hmm, multivariate testing. It sounds technical. Can you simplify it for our listeners, Clarissa?
1: Of course. Multivariate testing is essentially running multiple A-B tests simultaneously. Here A stands for the current version, and B stands for the alternate version. So. It's like trying different combinations of elements like headlines, images, and call-to-actions to to see what
0: mix gives the best result. Cool, I somewhat get it. But isn't this going to cost startups a ton?
1: Well, the good news is, it's not necessarily expensive. Several freemium tools, such as Google Optimize, can assist startups with this. The key is, however, to adopt a structured approach. You need to decide what elements to test, set your conversion goals, run the test, and then analyze the data.
0: Sounds fair. Can you give us an example of this process from your own experiences?
1: Certainly. When I launched the website for my dental clinic, we had a Book Now button on our homepage. We decided to test it against a Contact Us form. We set the conversion goal as successful bookings. After running the test, surprisingly, the Contact Us form performed better, perhaps because visitors felt they had more control over the process.
0: That's pretty illuminating, Clarissa. It shows that sometimes tested changes can lead to unexpected insights. Thanks for sharing. Clarissa, let's venture into the realm of influential marketing. It's a marketing strategy that often polarizes opinions. What's your take?
1: As you rightly said, Abigail, it's indeed a double-edged sword. But from my perspective, influencer marketing can bring huge returns for startups, provided it's done right.
0: When you say done right, could you elaborate a little?
1: Sure. Choosing the right influencers is a critical part of the process. Partnering with influencers who align with your brand's ethos and values can often lead to noteworthy outcomes. For instance, I recently came across the case of a startup skincare line that teamed up with beauty influencers. They didn't just pick any influencer, but made an informed choice based on the influencer's organic relationship with skincare the collaboration resulted in significant brand awareness and sales.
0: You bring up a valid point, Clarissa. It's a force to reckon with, especially given its potential impact on the startup's growth curve. I remember how Glossier, the millennial-loved skincare brand, blew up virtually overnight leveraging influencers.
1: Exactly. The case of Glossier is a paragon of how potent influential marketing can be. Their selection of everyday females as brand advocates – was a masterstroke, resonating with their target audience and effectively multiplying their consumer base.
0: It's worth mentioning, though, such partnerships should be authentic and mutually beneficial. It's not about merely getting an influencer to rant about your product. It has to be a genuine fit.
1: I agree, Abigail. And startups, especially those working on a limited budget, need to ensure they get the maximum return from such campaigns. Managing the resources wisely could make all the difference. Dream big, start small, and scale fast. That's the mantra startups should embrace with influential marketing. I've seen it work wonders in the dental industry.
0: Stating the obvious here, Clarissa, but that needs money, right?
1: Surprisingly, not always, Abigail. The key lies in collaborations. It's about mutual benefits, not just one-sided promotions. When startups can provide value to influencers, they're more open to promoting naturally on their platforms. Got
0: it. But how would these collaborations work on a practical level?
1: It varies. From my observation, one good example is co-marketing. Think about it. Startups get access to a wider audience, and influencers get to provide value to their followers. It's a win-win.
0: Interesting concept, but with so many influencers out there, how should a startup choose the right ones?
1: Abigail, that's where it gets tricky. Startups must identify influencers who not only have a following, but align with their brand values and have a genuine connection to their product or service.
0: So consistency in brand messaging and genuine fit are crucial. How about the actual collaboration process? Any thoughts on managing those relationships?
1: Absolutely. Managing influencer relationships is as important as choosing the right ones. Open communication, respecting their creative freedom, and ensuring a mutually beneficial relationship is the key to a successful collaboration.
0: We're almost at the end, Clarissa. I think we should touch on cultivating customer relationships. Startups have a unique opportunity right off the bat to create a strong bond with their early user base, don't you agree?
1: Absolutely, Abigail. It's all about fostering every customer link. But how do we translate that into a concrete strategy?
0: Well, uh, considering my experience in the tech industry rapport building doesn't have to be extravagant it can start with something as simple as responding speedily and sincerely to emails and messages but it's also essential to recognize that every customer is different adapt to their needs and make every interaction a personal one
1: and what about those startups with limited staff they are more likely to struggle in maintaining that regular contact how can they keep up
0: that's indeed a challenge clarissa Automation could be a potential solution to manage regular customer contact more efficiently. By automating emails or setting up CRM systems, these startups can maintain regular contact with their customers. Of course, it's a fine balance. You do not want your customers to feel like they're speaking to a robot.
1: That's a great point, Abigail. After all, when people feel personally acknowledged and valued, their loyalty towards the brand is likely to grow. That's something I've noticed in dental patient care, and I believe it applies to startups
0: too. Exactly, Clarissa. Whether it's technology or dental care, at the end of the day, startups need to remember that they're dealing with human beings. Establishing genuine relationships with them paves the way to a customer-centric culture and increases the likelihood of long-term business success. One major key, Clarissa, in my opinion, is for startups to view every customer interaction as a chance for growth not just in terms of revenue but also in learning and development a feedback complaint or even a compliment is a gem that taps into what customers truly need which startups do you think have done an outstanding job at this oh
1: there are quite a few take zappos for instance they're an excellent example of a startup that saw colossal growth because of their fantastic customer service they've made customer service their usp They've gone as far as delivering shoes by hand and ordering a pizza for a customer. The idea is to deliver wow through service. That's their core value.
0: That is intriguing. What made them so successful is their dedication to going the extra mile for the customers. In the tech startup world, it's more of providing prompt, reliable service, investing in building relationships. We try to stay reachable, value feedback, and prioritize the user's needs. But yes, hearing about delivering shoes by hand absolutely takes it to another level.
1: Exactly, Abigail. It's about making customers feel special, appreciated and valued. For startups, especially those bootstrapped with limited funding, growth isn't just about increasing the bottom line, but maintaining and expanding the customer base as well. That's where strong customer relationships play a vital role. It people-centered growth.